This is Efficiently Effective, a podcast about content strategy and user experience. I'm your host, Saskia Wiedler. In every episode, we talk with experts in the field who share their knowledge and experience in content and UX. The first Efficiently Effective podcast came out in March 2017, which means we are now one year old. Happy belated birthday to us! Hooray! Would you like to celebrate with us? You're also welcome to join the party. We'd love to hear from you through Twitter, Apple Podcasts, or the website efficientlyeffective.fm. You know, every episode takes at least 15 hours to make. So if you can spare a minute to let us know how we are doing, that really, really means a lot. And it will also help other people find us. This episode is, very befittingly, all about parties. Although, maybe not the celebratory kind. We're gonna talk about parties of one, or one-person teams. We'll discuss the challenges, but also the opportunities in working solo, as a freelancer and as an employee within a larger corporation, where you might be the only content strategist. You'll meet content strategist Andy Welfley and Cameron Seward, Two amazing people I've met at CONFAB, the content strategy conference that takes place in Minneapolis each year. They both have the experience of being the lone ranger in their department. Andy as an employee, Cameron as a freelancer. I will also try and share a bit of my experiences, as I am also a solo content strategist. While we approach the party of one theme from a content strategist perspective, I'm positive that most things that we talk about also hold true for other professions. And if you're working with content strategists, hearing their stories will help you understand them better. Without further ado, time to introduce our guests. Cameron, would you go first? Sure, my name is Cameron Seward. Um, I am a content strategist, copywriter, um, kind of all things content person, I like to say. Um, I own a solo online business called Contentory um, and work with a variety of different businesses, um, really mostly in the US, but I have some Canadian clients. Um, so, you know, kind of work with people all over the place. And um, also do some subcontracting as a content strategist for um, a variety of agencies. Um, and I'm based in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Before starting her business, Cameron worked as an employee in a team as a content strategist. Since 2013, she's flying solo with her freelance business, Contentory. What were your first five years as a freelancer like, Cameron? They have been really great. I, I tend to... Um, I really enjoy kind of having the time to ideate um, solo and kind of having a lot of um, solo time to focus. Um, so that was kind of my um, initial motivation for going freelance. Um, I don't know that I anticipated the challenges of, of doing content strategy solo, um, you know, quite in the way that I think, you know, I've, I've learned a lot about that since then. So I don't think I knew quite how, how challenging that would be right at first. Um, but it's been a, a really great learning experience. Um, and I think, you know, it, it sounds a little trite, but I think one of the biggest things that I've learned about working solo as a content strategist is just, um, you know, really learning to trust your gut and kind of jump in and, and add what, what you have as input, um, what you're seeing, or you know the insights that you have, um, 
you know, without kind of overthinking and feeling like you need to bounce them off other people. Um, and I think that kind of took me a little bit of time to, to get better at and a little bit of time to build the confidence to do. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's been extremely rewarding. Um, I think in some ways working solo really gives you a lot of, um, leverage to be creative and, um, you know, to kind of think about how you want to approach content strategy for different clients um, in different ways. Um, you don't necessarily have to follow a formula ever, but it's much easier to kind of, you know, veer away from a formula when you're, when you're working solo and you're kind of approaching each new engagement um, with fresh eyes. And, you know, you see, oh, well, this, this person kind of seems like they need a little bit more help with, um, you know, communicating with their team, or this person seems like they need a little bit more help with thinking through the structure of their content. I work with small businesses, other solo businesses who are, you know, kind of uh, professionals who have worked in team environments, um, maybe are starting their own business and, you know, are, are really wanting to be smart about how they're communicating with their clients um, from day one. So that's a very different approach to content strategy. Um, that's a lot more about, you know, kind of defining voice and, and, you know, how you want to be communicating with people and, um, you know, helping them sort of frame up, you know, what are the, what are the ways that you can be helpful to the, to the people you're serving and get super specific about who you're targeting and, um, what types of content are going to serve those needs. Um, and, and I also have the opportunity to work with larger clients. So, you know, anyone from, uh, startup businesses who are who are growing and you know they're kind of reaching a, a high level of success but they have never really been thoughtful about their um their messaging and their content and they you know kind of want to take a step back and and do it right you know now that now that things are really going well for them um to larger businesses that just have you know a huge um, a huge mess of content oftentimes and, um, and don't know what to do with it. And, and, you know, it's, it's kind of causing more headaches than it is, uh, returning value and figuring out how to kind of sift through that and turn it around. Um, so, you know, that's, that's definitely something that, um, that I find really gratifying is, is sort of jumping from engagement to engagement and, um, and being able to kind of tackle different types of challenges and really use my, content strategy chops or just my content strategy thinking, as it were, um, in different ways. Yeah. Now let's hear from Andy. I'm Andy Welfley. I am the lead UX content strategist at Adobe um, I uh, here in San Francisco. I started off at a little web agency in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Um, it is, um, I did a lot of like structuring of, of is content management systems and modeling content for kind of small to medium-sized clients. Um, after that, I uh, joined the content strategy team at Facebook and moved out to California. Um, it is a um, huge team and you had the sharpest tools and it was amazing. Um, and I love my team there. Um, but I got an opportunity a little over a year ago to come and start a content strategy practice at Adobe Design. So um, content strategists who are working alongside uh, experienced designers to uh, create content in the product. So that was an opportunity that was a little too good to pass up. So here I am. <laughs> and I've been here ever since. Um, but yeah, for about nine months, I was the only one here. And it was really... 
I was mostly just trying to like, you know, establish a practice and, and get people to see the value of content strategy and to um, kind of understand why uh, it was needed, even if it was just, you know, one person among a huge, huge um, landscape of products. That sounds amazing, but also possibly quite overwhelming. Tell me, what was your first week like? <laughs> Good question. Um, so when I when I started my boss, uh, so my boss is the uh, Sean Cheris. He's the design director in charge of um, like like central design at Adobe Design. So he uh, his team works on like the the icons and the brand as it is in the products, and he also manages the Spectrum team, which is the uh, design system that Adobe uses. Um, so it it fit really well in there among all that. Um, the content strategy practice. And, and the first thing he told me was that my job was to figure out what my job is. <laughs> and it's, a uh, it's fun, but also just kind of terrifying. You know, there's a lot of ambiguity there and it took me a while to just really grasp that and jump in. But I feel like my first week was mostly just telling people who I was and what it is that I do. And then just sort of like trying to make sure that they're, that they're on board, at least to try it out. I think that at Adobe, everybody sort of understood that somebody who was thinking about the words in the product across everything was needed. Um, you know, for a long time, Adobe products have been, um, you know, kind of built in silos. You know, Photoshop and Illustrator, even though they've been together for decades in the same product suite, uh, feel like distinct products. Um, and you know, recently there's been a there's been a push at Adobe to make sure that like as we build out more like centralized services like you know, cloud storage and asset sharing and things like that. They want to make sure it feels like it's coming from the same company. So this this very big, very old software company is just trying to realign to, you know, feel a little bit more, um, like a little bit more holistic and connected to each other. Um, and I think when I started, you know, talking about how I started pointing out terms that, you know, are different between products and ways we can use language to just, show consistency and to uh, build understanding. I think that people were on board with the value of content strategy, but it probably wasn't until I started um, uh, working, like I, I spent about six months on a product team just to try to like figure out how the practice worked already and how I could kind of fit into that practice. So um, there were there were a few pain points, there were a few ways that you know designers and engineers work together uh, where there has never been somebody thinking strategically about words um, from the beginning. So, um, it's a little bit of friction, but I, everybody got on board with it. Like we, you know, everybody liked what I was there, f there to do and, and like that, you know, that was one less thing that they had to think about. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So I think, I think things fell into place and I really felt kind of comfortable after just a few months, uh, doing this, even though there was still a whole lot of ambiguity and a lot of work to be done. Currently, I am in a similar situation as Andy was in his first months, trying to embed myself in an organization, getting people to understand what I do and trying to get things done at the same time, proving the value of content strategy and myself. Having to explain and express the value of content strategy is not always easy. You often have to convince clients how content strategy will help them, and even when you are in, you sometimes still need to convince them to go in a certain direction or invest in work that doesn't have an instant return on investment. Let's start with convincing clients to work with you. Cameron, what is your tactic? You know, I think the, the number one thing that holds true across all different types of clients is just 
Um, I always start by listening, um, really asking them a lot of questions about what issues they're dealing with, um, what they kind of visualize as success, um, or you know where where they want to be, um, and why they're coming to me and and asking me for help. And the the reason I say that is because it's really helpful to kind of hear the words that they use and how they talk about what they're struggling with. Um, and then it's really a matter of thinking about, well, you know, not how can I sort of sell them on specific services, but how can I bring my thinking to be helpful to them where they are um, and kind of reflect that back to them in their own words. So it's it's funny, I think um, selling content strategy to people can often be um, very similar to practicing content strategy. Um, it's, it's really kind of understanding the person that you're, that you're talking to as, as best you can in a few, you know, initial conversations and, um, understanding their needs and kind of how they're thinking about their challenges and, and then framing what I offer and kind of the value that I offer, um, in, in terms that, you know, reflect back how they talk about their challenges. I think as content strategists, we can sometimes get a little bit preoccupied with trying to get people to understand what content strategy is and, um, you know, trying to kind of overexplain and, and, you know, get them to really grasp like what the discipline is all about. And, and really, I think where, um, it, where it's more powerful, um, to, to get people on board, whether that's a new client or an internal stakeholder or just a team that you're trying to get to kind of include you, um, is in, you know, really communicating your value in, in the terms that they're grappling with. Using content strategy tactics to sell content strategy. Boom, simple as that. And of course, use your content strategy powers to do good work and build your reputation. It can be easy to get distracted though. Like Andy said before, he took a lot of time communicating his role in the company, which not always feels as a productive thing to do, but it's super important because it's easy for people who are less familiar with content strategy to confuse you for an editor or a copywriter. While a lot of content strategists, like the three of us, have a background in writing and or editing, we have an opinion on the Oxford comma and we don't mind answering the occasional question on grammar or syntax. We do want to make clear we're here for something else, something maybe a bit more holistic. Yeah, um, what I usually told people and, and you know, I, I'm sure you've had discussions here before and I've certainly had these discussions that, you know, my job at a product company um, embedded with a design team is very much, you know, it's still like, I would say it's still 80% UX writing. So um, we are primarily UX writers, but we do a lot of the strategy behind it as well. So I feel pretty comfortable using the term content strategy. Um, even though I, I, I think it's such a broad term now, I think we're, we're ready to diversify a little bit. But um, at the same time, um, I think it's easier to like, you know, give people resources and to recruit people if you if you say that you're hiring a content strategist. But what I usually do is I just tell people, you know, we at least in my context, in the situation I'm in, I can get designers on board by just saying, you know, we, we, we're not copywriters. We design with words. Um, we, we use design thinking and design methodologies to write. And I think that makes something click with a lot of people, at least a lot of people here. Um, I have a, I have a, you know, little narrative in my slide deck about how, 
you know, in, in the old days, often at like an advertising agency, um, there would be sort of this like creative work and this um, writing work that would sort of happen in silos for an, for an ad. I'm, I'm thinking about like, you know, the iconic VW ad about, about you know, thinking small. And, you know, they had a, a lot of art direction that was um, just very iconic and very important to it. And they had a lot of, of words that, um, you know, happened at the bottom that fit with it but those things happened in silos and didn't really come together until the end you know the art director went to the the copywriters and said hey fill this space with words and that's how that happened so um i think you know sometimes with design teams even on product on digital products that's still the case um and when i tell people that a um you know a copywriter is to a graphic designer as a content strategist or ux writer is to a system designer uh, usually people get that a little bit more. You know, we we think in systems, we think about word systems. Um, we we don't write sort of the static block of content. And people people seem to be on board with that. Um, I think it goes deeper than a lot of them realize. You know, there's still a lot of talk about Oxford commas and um, saying please and using voice and tone in a certain way. But when we start talking about taxonomies and information architecture and... and um, uh, terms, things like that, um, they can really see the value of like people who are thinking about language. Oh man, I love those analogies. We design with words. And a copywriter is to a graphic designer as a content strategist is to a systems designer. Um, well, excuse me, I'm off printing a bunch of stickers with those quotes. Andy had a strategy to communicate about his role from day one. Part of it is just doing it and showing people like what you've come away with. And part of it is just, you know, getting them on board to see things from from your perspective. Or should I say, I should say from my perspective. The very first things I did was I um, I just, I guess I went into campaign mode and, and just found as many um, meetings of managers and as many, many meetings as te- of teams as I could. And I already had a bunch of resources, presentation resources put together. Um, when I worked at Facebook, um, I was part of a, a team that talked to new hires, to designers and to content strategists and to user researchers. So people like in, in UX building t- and roles. Um, so when they started, I gave a short presentation about what the content strategy team is and what we're here for and what we do. Um, so I already had a lot of good resources and rhetoric to use um, to just kind of like explain to you know designers what it is that I'm here for um, so I adapted them for Adobe and I just went to as meeting and as many meetings as uh, like of those people as I could and just gave that presentation um, I also tried to uh, just make myself as open and available as possible for questions so um, even before I kind of got on a product team to to try it out and to see how it worked I established some office hours um, and I really, um, I took inspiration for, uh, w- from Alyn McKenzie from Shopify. You know, she was one of the first, I think she was the first content strategist at Shopify, um, before they had, you know, the sizable team they have now. And one of the things she told me is that she, um, she started office hours and would just have like, you know, open sessions every week, um, some dedicated time. So anybody could come to her with like a small problem and she made sure to, to, you know, let them know I can't. I can't solve big problems here. I can't solve problems that require me to go off and like work for a lot of, of time on this. Um, but I can at least lead you through my um, 
lead you through our thinking and maybe try to help solve some just, just small problems. And here at Adobe, that was very successful. Um, I had and still have probably a couple people a week. Uh, nowadays, it's tapered off a little bit since we have more coverage. But um, I, I honestly think that more so than helping people solve content problems, what really helped was it helped me establish relationships with people across across the products. So I met, um, you know, people who work on creative cloud products, on experience cloud products, which are is like our marketing analytics software, um, on uh, document cloud, which is PDF stuff, and uh, in remote offices too. So it helped me kind of like meet and build a rapport with a, a large number of people um, that I might not otherwise get to meet. Office hours. That's something I'm going to try in my company as well. Right now, I feel like I'm kind of in push mode, trying to advertise myself as a content strategist. Well, this sounds more of a pool method, having people come to you more organically. I remember a talk by Nicole Fenton, who worked at Facebook at the time, about finding your allies in your organization and empowering them. Nicole went as far as calling them foxes, friends of content strategy. Andy was at Facebook at the time, and uh, he had seen Nicole's talk as well. Yes, yes. Um, we had a, a bunch of t-shirts with with foxes on them, um, actually. Um, it was kind of extra interesting because there are foxes who live at the Facebook campus in Menlo Park. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big, sprawling campus, and everybody kind of considered if they ran into one of the foxes, if they were there in the morning, uh, or if they got uh, caught a glimpse, it was kind of a lucky thing. So... Um, I think it was just extra appropriate and symbolic to, you know, to give one of these t-shirts to a designer or a PM or a researcher, somebody who was an extra good friend to a content strategist. Um, and it was always something that kind of like felt nice to do and just kind of like cemented your allyship with them. So that's a fantastic idea. I wonder if that's something I can, I can, you know, employ here. (sighs) Wouldn't the world be a much better place if there were more foxes in it? Now let's talk a little bit more about the challenges and benefits of being a solo content strategy practitioner. Yeah. (laughs) The challenges being that, you know, some of it was I really, really just wanted to say yes all the time. I wanted to help out where I could and be part of stuff. And I guess it's a good problem to have. But one of my problems was that I just couldn't, I couldn't affect as much as I wanted to and do as much as I wanted to. Um, I also didn't have the advantage of having um, sort of a a collective brain trust of people um, that I could run stuff by if I was unsure. So, I mean, obviously I do. I I work with very smart people who have opinions and can help me out. But, you know, for example, at Facebook, there's, well, when I was there, there were, you know, between 50 and 100 of them. And of course, now there's 200 maybe. But um, 200. I always, yep, at Facebook, it's it's a huge, huge team huge team. Um, yeah, they're, they're really invested in this. Amazing. Um, but I always, always had somebody who had done something like this before and had some advice or we had a very mature, um, good set of standards and precedents that I could kind of, um, take away from. And I, (laughs) I didn't have any of that at Adobe. So, um, I, uh, I feel like there was a lot of ambiguity in my role and kind of that's, you know, going back to my boss telling me, your first job is to figure out what your job is. Um, so much ambiguity. And at first, at first it was intimidating. It gave me a lot of, a lot of question, you know, who am I to, 
to decide what's right here. You know, I would, I would find myself faced with a lot of decisions about how to proceed that, you know, I wanted to do some research and talk to some other people and, you know, form a mature opinion. But I was in a moment where I was like, well, I have to decide this, this is how we're going to do it. Okay. And then just document that and move forward. But, um, I think after I sort of became comfortable with the ambiguity or just understood it to mean that, oh, hey, I have a lot of freedom to stretch my legs and to try stuff out and to experiment, it really became more of an interesting like opportunity than a challenge, right? Like I, I had the freedom to try stuff out and to give advice to many different areas of the, of, of the product. Um, and it was a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm certainly not at any point where I'm like seriously affecting you know, large scale directions of, of, you know, product content in, like in product content language. Um, but I, I've certainly had like been able to try my hand at a lot of different things and that can only come from something like that at a big established company like this. As a content strategist or any expert in an offbeat field for that matter, you need a specific mindset to keep you going when your expertise, added value, or general usefulness are not too obvious to the entire team. You need stamina to keep fighting the good fight and perhaps be a bit adventurous, daring to dive in, join the conversations, and explore the unknown. In the end, you do want to make an impact, leave the content situation in a better state than when you found it, you know, I feel it really helps to write down a mission statement for yourself to guide you in that thinking process when you have to make those choices or set those priorities. Besides having a holistic ideal as a guidance, Cameron never underestimates the power of small actions. I know this is very specific to, you know, working as a, as a freelancer or a consultant, but, um, you know, rather than thinking about it as kind of coming in and, and wowing everyone with, with your, your work and you know, kind of dropping the mic and, and, and leaving, you know, I think uh, coming in and still sort of figuring out how you can um, really just sort of give them that extra boost and, and kind of get some momentum going for the organization to then kind of, you know, take, take and run with. Um, and, you know, thinking about your value as sort of an something that you know you want to have a long life um, with your, that client or with that business. Some of the challenges can just be, um, you know, like I said, sometimes it can feel like you're you're working in a vacuum, um, and you know you really kind of need somebody to bounce ideas off of. Um, I think as a content strategist, often we're we're kind of um, bringing a mode of thinking that um, seems really obvious to us, but. Uh, but, you know, to people in other disciplines, you know, maybe a little bit foreign and something that they're not quite used to. Content strategy, while, you know, I think it's gained a lot of traction in, in you know, the past decade, um, I think that it's it's still, you know, not as widely understood as, as a lot of, of other disciplines, especially, you know, in the digital space is usually where I'm working. And yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think in any space you're working in. Um, and, you know, so I, I think, you know, huge, a huge part of working solo and, and, you know, this, this goes to the point we were just talking about is, um, you know, finding those people that you can commiserate with and bounce ideas off of, but also just, you know, really kind of trusting that, um, that you know what you're doing and that, um, you know, as a content strategist, you're, you're thinking about things in a, in a unique way and in a valuable way 
that you know maybe nobody else on the team or on the project is is thinking about um, in in the same way, um, or or at least not dedicating as much thought to. Um, and so just just really kind of trusting that you know you you have value to offer and and speaking up and kind of joining the conversation and and really exploring how you can add value um, without feeling like you need to be super polished about it or it needs to be you know a really specific deliverable that you're pitching or um, that that you know the idea needs to be really vetted um, super thoroughly. I think. A lot of times uh, for solo content strategists, it's important just to jump in and, you know, join the conversation and start demonstrating, you know, how, how you're thinking about things and, and kind of finding your way into that more concrete contribution um, by joining the conversation, when, even when you feel like maybe you're not ready. It's also a challenge to make sure that your work as an external consultant is carried on after you leave so that it doesn't fall flat. It's, it's imperative that um, companies have a, a content strategy representative in-house. Um, so oftentimes I'm coming in as, as a consultant and I'm, I'm supporting and I'm helping them kind of, you know, get their content strategy efforts kicked off or helping them kind of deal with a very specific challenge. Um, that they kind of need reinforcement for. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, I'm working with people who are sort of wearing a lot of hats, which is often the case for content people. Um, I would say most content people <laughs> wear a lot of hats. Um, and content strategy is just one, um, one of their job requirements. And, you know, they, they really don't have kind of a full-time, um, full-time bandwidth to, to dedicate to it. So, um, so I'm coming in to kind of provide that additional muscle so yeah, I think as, as long as I have someone internally who I can collaborate with and who can then carry that vision forward when I depart, um, working remotely is less of a challenge, um, but I've, you know, I've learned and, and kind of learned the hard way in some cases that, uh, you know, as, as a freelance, freelancer, consultant, you know, someone who, you know, is coming in and helping with content strategy on a short-term finite basis, um, you know, I can hand off work, but if, if there's nobody to kind of shepherd it from there and, you know, um, carry it forward, it's, it's not gonna, not gonna really make a lasting impact. So have people inside the company to shepherd your strategy to its full fruition when you're working as an external consultant, but also as an employee, having those allies or foxes will only benefit your work. As a content strategist, you might feel lonely and misunderstood at times, but fear not, you're not alone. There are online groups and offline meetups that you can join to ask questions and share knowledge or occasionally vent about your struggles. That's a really good point about working as a solo content strategist too. It's, it's you know, it can be really gratifying, but I think it's really important to find those opportunities to connect with other people who do what you do or do something similar. Um, and something like confab is ideal, obviously, but um, but there are you know obviously two professional groups in in individual cities and um, you know organizations that you can join and and I think that can really go a long way to kind of re-energizing you and and you know kind of helping you find new inspiration. Um, you know sometimes working alone can really feel. Uh, isolating and you know for me most of the time it's great but I definitely go through phases when you know I 
I sort of need that. Um, I need that collaboration with other people and, and I need to be able to kind of bounce ideas and, and just, just be around other people who get what I do. And, and so, you know, I think it's, it's really important to incorporate that and in whatever, um, whatever amount or whatever style works for you. I I totally believe in the power of, of commiseration sometimes. (laughs) Like you just need somebody who gets why what you do is challenging and you just need to, to be able to kind of talk about that and, you know, get it out of your system and have somebody be like, I totally hear you. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, it's important. (laughs) I, I used, you know, the content strategy community at large a lot. Like, I know I've seen you active in the content strategist Facebook group and, you know, there's that product UX uh, product content slack that my friend Michael Metz has established. That's huge. So honestly, like it was, that's been super helpful. Um, I can't talk about, I can't talk about everything that I'm working on with like a larger group, but I can definitely reach out for more general advice and opinions and, and tips on proceeding. Um, And anybody listening, like if, if you have access, if you're tapped into that community, like totally use it it's it's an amazingly smart group of people andy what advice would you give any solo content strategists out there if you work at a company like if you're the lonely content strategist at a company of of any size uh, if you're at a very small startup where there's four of you this may not be particularly relevant but you know adobe is a very large company and even the design team that i'm embedded in is very large Um, there's going to be people who for one reason or another are thinking about the words and are good at writing and using language to communicate. Um, we have several designers who I immediately kind of allied myself to and made friendships with because they are very word oriented and they just get it right. Like sometimes they don't even know that they get it, but they do. And, um, I think that as when you are working with designers, you know, or whoever, uh, you will find those people pretty quickly. They'll understand exactly where you're coming from. You'll understand their point of view and they'll immediately, you know, see your value. And I think the the stronger you can build those relationships, the more of an ally they will be for you in the future. So one of those designers, um, you know, helped me identify an area in the company that really could use some content strategy help. And I started talking to them and we have kind of an ongoing engagement. So, um, yeah, there there are those people out there. <laughs> it's hard to find them. Um, Adobe is an interesting company. Um, we have a lot of designers who uh, are from elsewhere in the world and speak English as a second language. And a lot of them are are terrified to write because they're just like, oh, I'm just not a good, I'm just not a strong English writer. I can't, I can't do this. I need your help. And you know, after spending some time with them, I realized, you know. Actually, sometimes you, as as somebody who speaks English as a second language, um, are a more careful writer than somebody like me, who is you know native native English speaker has been writing English all my life um, in America. So, like sometimes you just have to sort of act as a as a therapist and counsel them and let them know that like, hey, no, you're actually really good at this. You're thinking a lot about it, and I can I can help you arrive at the right you know tone and voice for what you're trying to do, but your messaging structure is amazing. Um, yeah. So I, I did a whole workshop with designers where I, I taught them some fundamentals of writing, some basics of, of writing for the interfaces. But, but honestly, like the, the biggest thing was, is, you know, I just, I let them know you got this. You're really, <laughs> you're really good at this. So, uh, a little bit of a, yeah, just empower them a little bit. I, I, 
you know, Saskia, I know that you take inspiration from Leslie Nope from Parks and Rec, and I feel like I do too. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> part of <laughs> part of being effective is just like being encouraging and dangling a carrot instead of a stick. Haha, <laughs> you know me well, my friend. As one of my favorite sayings goes, be the Leslie Nope at whatever you do. If you don't know what we're talking about, check out the comedy series Parks and Recreation. Cameron gave a three-hour workshop at Convap Intensive last September about how to make the most of your solo content strategy practice. If any conference organizers are listening, I would recommend booking Cameron for a session. It was super helpful. As for Andy, he's no longer lonely at Adobe. He helped build the UX <laughs> content strategy team. Yeah, well, um, part of it was is there was there was a new initiative spinning up, a new team getting started that is, I'm hoping, going to release something by this summer. Um, but I, I really can't go into detail about what they're doing. But essentially, you know, you know, I was working with the team a little bit and I talked to the design manager and to the the program manager and I said, you know, this is very, this is very content first, right? Like the words that you're using here matter a lot. And um, my my trouble is, is I don't have, you know, the bandwidth, the time to really just sit down and help you with all this, but I can help you identify what you need to work on. Um, and I can help you identify that you need somebody more to to help you do this. And I got them at just the right time when they were starting to plan resources for for building up this team. They got the go ahead from executives in the company. And all of a sudden they were like, okay, we have open headcount, help us find somebody. And I was like, okay, let's do this. Um, so um, one of the design managers uh, here at Adobe, um, Samantha Warren, she had a friend that she worked with at Twitter uh, named Marissa Williams. And uh, I met Marissa, she was the perfect fit for this initiative and she came on board and you know, she spun up and all of a sudden I had to start thinking about other things like onboarding and sharing detail um, uh, processes and points of view. And uh, I knew that there was a lot that I was going to need her to help me create, but there was a lot of stuff that I had already kind of talked about and put together. So um, yeah, I feel like things are still pretty, you know, ambiguous, but in a, in a good way and in, in a lesser way now, because I have more people thinking about it. So about a month after that happened, one of the other people we interviewed for that position, we were like, oh man, she's amazing too. Um, we have these other initiatives. So um, I think I think you may know her, Saskia. Do you know Sarah Smart? Yeah, I do. Yeah, she she's now a, a co- co-worker of mine. Oh, um, cool. Super talented. Uh, her, her, whenever she gives a presentation, she, she calls herself a word witch. <laughs> so that's that's how I like to, <laughs> to refer to her. Um, yeah, she's fantastic. And, and we have, um, you know, we sit, together we have a very tight team every week we meet and we we have we have a crit a content strategy crit where we just go over like something we've been working on and give each other advice if we need it um and then we also have um we're trying to also grow the team for those who may not have a headcount to dedicate to content strategy often it's easier for companies to get contractor money um and so uh there's a there's a big product launch that they needed some temporary help with and a friend of mine who um, I worked with at Facebook for a little while as a, she was a contractor there. She, Catherine Ankrum, she came on board. Um, so she's, she's working with that team. Um, and I'm, I'm campaigning hard if she's, if she's interested and everybody's interested to convert her to full-time eventually. So I guess that's a good growth tactic. If, 
if you just want to try to grow a team and don't have headcount is, you know, start, start with a contractor and get like, if they can show value and show that, you know, their continued engagement will provide more value than their limited engagement, then, you know, that's a, that's a tactic. I think that a lot of people know, but probably also a lot of people don't know. So pro tip. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great suggestion, Andy. Having a contractor come on board often feels like a safe option to company owners and managers, and they will find out how a content strategist really helps your business on so many levels. It's a win-win for both the company and the freelancer. To summarize, join the conversation, listen to what your coworkers and clients need, what language they use, and reflect that language back to them. Don't get too hung up on the ideal definition of content strategy. Show and tell what you can do. Make sure people know what content strategy is to them and how it can help them. For instance, you could establish office hours, do in-house presentations, or be present on communication channels like your in-house Slack workspace. No matter how lonely you may feel at times, believe in yourself and the power of content strategy. No two projects are the same, whether you work in-house or remotely. There is often no template, and in a sense, that also enables you to try out new stuff. And lastly, find your people. We're online, in Slack groups, on Facebook, and we come to offline meetups. Come and talk shop, share experiences, and just hang out with people who understand what you do. I'll put some links in the blog post, of course. And that's a wrap of our Party of One episode. Thanks Cameron Seward and Andy Welfley for sharing your experiences with us. If you want to meet Andy, come to Confab in Minneapolis this May or go to Content UX Academy in Sacramento in October. He's running workshops at both events, not on being a solo content strategist, but on voice and tone for interfaces. Pretty cool stuff. Follow him on Twitter and check out his writing at andy.coffee. Fun fact, Andy is very much into pencils. So much that he co-hosts a podcast about pencils called The Erasable Podcast. Cameron is pondering on repurposing her workshop wisdom, perhaps via her website. So keep an eye out for that on contentory.com. Of course, you'll find links to all these sites on efficientlyeffective.fm. Again, we would appreciate it so much if you'd let us know what you think, how this one or the other episodes have helped you, or even if you didn't agree with something that we were saying. Sharing something about our podcast online will help us reach a bigger audience, which is, well, (laughs) nice, right? Remember that we're not bothering you with advertisements and that a lot of work goes into making this podcast. Every episode is a little gift to you. If you can spare a minute to give back some feedback or spread the word, that makes all our hard work totally worthwhile. Find us on Twitter at EffectivePod, Apple Podcast and EfficientlyEffective.fm. Sander Spolspool, thanks for your technical and editing help. And thank you, Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for letting me use your music. Time for our tiny party of two to pop a bottle and toast to our first year. We thank you for listening and hope to hear from you soon. Bye! Efficiently Effective is a production by the Duchess.